1975, Jaws was released. It is routinely regarded as one of the greatest films of all time and is generally credited with creating the concept of the summer blockbuster. In 1978, in an obvious cash grab, Jaws 2 was released, failing to have lightning strike a second time, but presenting a generally enjoyable film. In 1983, Jaws 3D was released, shamelessly attempting to take advantage of a gullible audience. By 1987, there was no pretense of quality as Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine cashed paychecks for sleepwalking through a pointless and incredulous sequel. In 2016, Paul Spatero created Is It Jaws, in which he and a group of rotating guest hosts discuss new and old movies and place them up against the Jaws scale, which ignores some elements of the actual films and sets forth a rating scale. Jaws, an all-time great classic film. Jaws 2, an enjoyable film with some flaws but worthy of multiple viewings. Jaws 3, a moderately enjoyable film. And finally, Jaws 4, a bad movie. Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws? You're wearing my hat. What else you got that's mine? Now, I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. You can't be that good. Let's go! This is a crazy town, isn't it? I think we ought to just get out of here. Oh, I know this is your horse. Can't you see this horse loves me? Making a big mistake. That's what I told him. If I brought a pretty lady like that into a place like this, I'd stay close. I think you got a point, Emmett. Maybe I better stay here with her. And we're gonna give you a fair trial, followed by a first-class hanging. I had enough of what ain't right. Some people think they can push you around, but it's only true if you let it be. I don't want you to get hurt. You want one of these? This ought to do. Let's get out! Hanging around with you is no picnic. Hello everybody and welcome to Is It Yours? I'm Paul Spataro and I have once again dragged into the Is It Yours studios Mr. Matt Hunsworth. Hello. How are you Matt? I'm good, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, uh, pending your answer to some questions. <laughs> okay, alright. So, for anybody <laughs> listening, today we are doing the 1985 Western Silverado uh, and as we were just discussing before we started recording this episode 
Uh, Matt had never seen this movie, and it was based on our conversations where this movie came up that he viewed it. And I'm very, very curious to know what his take was on it, because I'm going to just jump out in front and tell you I like this movie a lot. Okay. So what did you think? (laughs) All right. Well, it was not what I expected by looking at the cast list I saw. I mean, Scott Glenn, fantastic actor, but then I saw Kevin Klein and John Cleese, and I'm immediately thinking, maybe not comedy, but something a little more comedic, like a um, January Man, or maybe um, what was the... Uh, you were thinking Wild Fish Called Wando, were you? No, not quite that. Not Definitely not a Terry Gilliam thing. Um, so, once the thing really got rolling and I realized what I was in for, I was like, huh, all right. It's gonna be uh, quite a few hours of my time because it's oh, wow. Well, it's not it's not my type of movie, and I wouldn't have watched it. However, I didn't hate it. <laughs> but, glowing praise. <laughs> yeah, but um, and it, it was a it was a well made, very well made movie, very well acted movie. The cast on this is pretty amazing. I didn't realize even realize Brian Dennehy was in this, and I've always. I, I can't think of a thing I don't like him in. He just seems like a guy, and he always seems so natural. It always seems like he's not acting. They just happen to get this guy with this very large presence on camera every time I see him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, just to quickly go over the cast list, it's Kevin Klein, Scott Glenn, John Cleese, Kevin Costner, Rosanna Arquette, Brian Dennehy, Danny Glover, Jeff Goldblum, and Linda Hunt. That is a star-studded cast. Yep. And I will say, when the credits rolled, and I saw the two words that are instant death for me in movie. A movie, Kevin Costner. I was like, oh, man, I think I've been duped. Kevin Costner, and and we should probably go over the cast list a little bit in this. uh, And let's leave him on the back burner for a moment because I'd rather talk, at least start off with uh, Scott Glenn and Kevin Klein because those are really the two bigger stars in this movie. Absolutely, Uh, yes. So Scott Glenn, first of all, this to my knowledge, this was the first movie I saw him in that I actually was aware of him. Oh, okay. I may, I may have seen him before this, but I, you know, this this was. I would say if anybody is the star of this movie, it's him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is certainly an ensemble piece, and he was in the right stuff before this, which is how we actually got to discussing this mo- this particular right. movie. Yeah. Uh, but when I saw this, and again, I thought you know he was pretty much the default star of the movie, I thought his star was on the rise, and I thought he was going to be, like, the next big thing. I thought his career was going to take the path, at least early on, that Costner's did. Yeah, it, he he's an actor everyone knows of, but he's not... You don't go out and see a Scott Glenn movie, because they don't even really exist. He's always supporting something else. Yeah, he's 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 much more of a supporting actor than he is a star. And I don't know, you know, in the current day and age, if his acting would be the type that would draw audiences in anyway. True. Yep. But in this particular movie, I thought he was particularly charismatic. I thought he did a really good acting job in it. I thought his part was well written. And to me, like I said, it felt like a star on the rise. Right. <clears throat> Kevin Klein. Now, Kevin Klein is a strange beast as far as i'm concerned because i think his acting you know you'd mentioned him and john cleese and kind of what your anticipation was for me if i see kevin klein's name on something i have no idea what to expect this you're you're actually 
You're not wrong at all. I think I'm just I more remember and I've seen multiple viewings of his more lighthearted stuff. Again, January Man being a, probably the, the example of a movie that's not a comedy, but it's lighthearted. Fish Called Wanda is a comedy, but he's off the rails in that. But then you're absolutely right. His work, he's got things in there that I, I have seen but forget because they're so serious and sometimes dark. Like, what was it? I love you to death. That was a dark comedy mm-hmm. of all things. And you're right. He is. He is his body of work. You you can't pinpoint down anything for him specifically. I first became aware of him in The Big Chill, which was oh, okay. also, which was also by Lawrence Kasdan, who made this. Uh, he first appeared. I'm just looking quickly at his filmography. It, appeared, it seems like he first appeared in Sophie's Choice, which oh, is wow. a, a very well <laughs> very well known movie that I've never yeah. seen. Yeah, me too. I've never seen it, so I can't really give you any kind of thing. He's got an extensive filmography. Uh, and like I said, I, I feel like his career is all over the place. It's it's from you know broad comedy to very very serious you know Shakespearean type things. He's, yeah, he's yeah. you know I, I think he's got tremendous range range, and he's married to Phoebe Cates. Right. <laughs> so I mean, you, it's hard to to fault a guy for that. This is true. Yes, and he is he is one of my wife's favorite actors like there's nothing of his that she will not watch up to up until the point that she has a one of the most poorly produced bootleg that comes with bootleg bootleg dvds of a stage version of pirates of penzance not the movie <laughs> but the actual stage version that she will crack out once every couple of years <laughs> I, I gotta take christy is her own person Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing, you know, one thing I could never fault her for is being a follower. <laughs> right, this is true. Yes, and then it's uh, and I say that with the utmost respect. That's not not meant in any oh, way no, to she be would, derogatory. She would take that as a she would take that as a compliment, hundred percent. It's the way it's meant. Yeah. Um, so uh, then the next the next guy, and it's I guess not you know now we're to him is Kevin Costner. Costner. Yeah. He's he's a strange guy because when he first came out, and I think this was the first thing I ever saw him in, well, uh, unless you count his uh, his appearances in The Big Chill that really – the appearances that weren't. <laughs> right. And if anybody's familiar with that movie, he plays – The Big Chill is all about a group of college friends who get together, I don't know, I guess 20 years later. Uh and, you know, it's for the funeral of one of the friends who committed suicide. And you never actually see the friend. You just kind of see his body is in a coffin, but you don't really see him. And Kevin Costner played the body. And apparently there were some flashback scenes that were filmed, but never put made it into the movie. Right. And that movie was by Lawrence Kasdan. And apparently he cast him in this movie to apologize for what he did to him no. in that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and... His role in this movie is so atypical of the role he's played in every other movie I've ever seen him in. Every movie I've seen him in, even Field of Dreams, which is one of my favorite movies, and it's kind of a lighthearted take on things, he is a very serious character in every movie. In this one, he's almost like bordering on Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. So it's totally different from what I'm used to seeing him in. And his career has had a, had a strange, you know, strange uh, trajectory because this came out, and I don't know when, in what order, but I saw him in this. I saw him in uh, No Way Out, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, 
and even dances with wolves. And I thought this guy is great. I love his movies. He's, he's one of my favorite actors. Then he came out with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, <laughs> Waterworld, The Postman. And I was like, I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. you know, he's just had a very, very strange career path to me. And then, you know, ultimately, as far as for me, uh, ending up playing, uh, Pa Kent in Man of Steel in, a part that I blame more on the writing than the acting, but I just couldn't uh, okay. stand the way he was portrayed in that movie. Yeah. I just, and, and if, if I know if some of the, my co-hosts from other shows are likely listening to this, I just, I have never liked him. I, I just find him underwhelming and I try. It was hidden figures. I wanted to see very badly because of the subject matter. And I was like, I'm, going to put him completely out of my mind in this movie because i want to see the story and even as hard as i tried i could not help but get irritated by him and <laughs> and in this i'm like okay this is early kevin costner maybe he was a different maybe he had a different style then it was like you said it was it was kind of more the like the um, the almost madman type thing he was not zany but a, a zany twist to a very actually dangerous character, and I, right off like the first three words out of his mouth, and I'm already mad. I just I, I <laughs> have never liked him, and I, I I've I've given it a good try. I'm not gonna say I tried my hardest at it because there's only so much effort I put into it, but I just I I have never enjoyed him in anything I've seen. Yeah, the, the phrase I use for that is I've never liked him, and I always will. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, this was in an era where I did like him. I eventually soured, uh, you know, and I'm just thinking other movies like JFK, uh, you know, really just not my thing. I didn't see Hidden Figures, although I wanted to and I would still like to. And I think I don't have enough of a bias against him at this point where I would mm -hmm. automatically dislike him. But I just don't like a lot of the career choices that he's made. Basically, since Dances with Wolves, I think once he made that movie, uh, which in an error in judgment, won the Oscar over Goodfellas. But once he made that I didn't that realize movie, that's who it won over. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I agree I with th you on that one. Yeah. Uh, but I think that really went to his head, and I think it, it, all of a sudden he, he started going for vanity pieces. Uh, -huh. uh yeah. You know, that's the impression I got, and he became like a little bit of a diva. So that's when I stopped being a fan. Gotcha. Yeah, that would do it. That would do it. That's but like sure. I said, movies like The Untouchables and No Way Out and uh, Field of Dreams, really enjoy all three of those a lot. Mm. Although I, I can tell from your take on them, if you haven't seen them, <laughs> I won't recommend them to you. Uh, I, well, I've seen a lot of Kevin Costner's movies, which is frustrating because he was I – mean, you, you, you picked an area of time where he was, he was the one to see Untouchables, No Way Out. Um, Field of Dreams. I'm looking at his list now. Dances with Wolves, Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, JFK. I mean, there was no avoiding him if you wanted to see what the blockbuster movie was at the time. So, I mean, I I tried, never, never liked what I saw. Well, one of the things, at least in the early times, one of the things that that I can point to is a uh, a good ability for castmates. There's no way out. He had Gene Hackman with him. Untouchables, he had Sean mm -hmm. Connery with him. Uh, Field of Dreams, he had James Earl Jones with him. Uh, I'm not a big Tim Robbins fan, so I can't really point to Bull Durham all that much. Yeah. <laughs> there is a couple. What's interesting, though, even though 
I don't like him, and I really don't like his acting style. Some of these movies I actually end up enjoying as a movie. Like, No Way Out is a great ending to a movie. Yeah. The first time I saw it. It's hard to watch again, <laughs> unless you're going to watch it to figure out the to see where the well, end, all the clues were. The, the twist, and I don't want to spoil the twist to No Way Out. No, I know, right. But, That's right. but I don't <laughs> feel in that, you know, when you watch a movie like The Sixth Sense, uh, you can watch it a second time, and then you say, oh, look, there's a clue, there's a clue, there's yeah. a clue. I've watched No Way Out a second time, and I still didn't really see the clues. Oh, really? Interesting. To the twist okay. at the ending. That was... That I kind was of felt the... that that just came out of left field as a shocking ending, as opposed yeah. to a puzzle that you were supposed to figure out along right. the way. Oh, okay. I never watched it a second time, so I don't know. And Sixth Sense, that there, I guess there were too many clues, because so many people said about talked about the twist at the end without saying what it was. I was ready. I was... my. Every sense was heightened, and in that first few minutes, I figured it out, and I was angry about that. I was like, why did I listen to everybody talk about this movie? Because now, now I know it's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, can't argue with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the certain movies where you know you, you need to go in clean. Yeah. yeah. So but if you haven't seen I, The Sixth Sense, we didn't tell you what happens. <laughs> like, shame on me, though, because it was to the point of renting it that we had finally watched it. So, I mean, I was more than late to the game. I didn't even go see it in the theater, so that was all my fault. So it's interesting. I thought it was real interesting casting to have John Cleese as Sheriff Langston. Now, his part was pretty small. Yes, which surprised me considering he was listed so early in the credits, not only on uh, um, IMDb or whatever else I've been reading, but in the opening credits as well. But I think that's that was recognition, name recognition and star yes. power. I think you know John Cleese was a big name. He was also very you know cast against type. I mean, he, he yeah. is kind of lighthearted in the way he performs, but he's not a comic actor in this. No, no, not at all. But he does have a certain sarcastic edge to him. Yes. When he sits down to the table and he starts talking to them, you could see there's, there's a little bit of snarkiness just to the way he reads his lines. And then, you know, spoilers, by the way, uh, yeah. you know, early on he, he gives chase to, uh, to, to our gang of heroes and, you know, they say he says, you know, he's going to go to the end of his jurisdiction and his hat gets yeah. shot, shot, shut off his head. And he says, today, my jurisdiction ends here, you yeah, know? Yeah. which is that yeah. that's more of a typical John Cleese line. It was. It really was. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, but but he was, you know, he he was really good in his small part in this. I, I really liked him. And, and well, once I, by this point, I realized it was not going to be. A laugh a minute, or it wasn't what I expected. And when he came on, I was pleasantly surprised of his performance because he was he had a he played it well that he had an air about him that he wasn't threatening anyone. But you walked away from the every conversation he had having the the line was drawn. You you knew if you crossed him, something was going to happen. We didn't quite maybe see that in the end, and maybe you didn't need to. But his performance that's that's not something I would expect from John Cleese in a movie. So that was cool to see. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And he was also, you know, he was against the heroes in the movie, but he was not a villain. Right. True. Yes. You know, in fact, he, you know, there's a bar fight early on and uh, he could have easily, 
you know, come in and just swept him into jail. And, you know, but he says, you know, knowing Taggart over there, uh, I suspect <laughs> he brought this on himself or something to that, yeah. you know. Something so like he, that, yeah. You know, he was very reasonable right from the start. But he, but he did make it clear, no, I want you out of my jurisdiction. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, and that was kind of the snarky edginess to the way he played the part. Right. Uh, this is the first movie that I'm aware of uh, that I w- became aware of uh, Danny Glover. Oh really? Okay. I don't think I, I had ever seen him before this that I you know took note of him, uh, and then obviously you know he went on to major fame in uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in lethal the Lethal Weapon series, uh, but he you know he had a good part in this, uh, you know and you you mentioned Brian Dennehy and he passed away just like last week, didn't he? It wasn't very long ago. Last week, two weeks ago, Max. Yeah. As we as recent. we record this, it was very right, recent. Yeah. As you listen to it, it will have been months ago. <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> and I think this may be the first movie I was aware of him as well. Hmm. He's he's one of these guys, and as you mentioned when we were talking about it earlier, uh, he's one of these guys who just comes onto the screen, and you you can't help but like him. Yeah. Which is really kind of casting him against type because he he is one of the villains in this movie. Yeah, which I actually enjoyed his portrayal in this as well too. That was definitely a highlight of this was watching him, especially when things turn. Actually, he kind of walked on a bad guy, but when he was an adversary to our, I guess our our heroes. That's when it was like I I, I enjoyed seeing him in a, in a role. Uh, I've not seen him before, and at least not in a long time. That was that was another highlight for me. Well, I guess the the other time where I can think of offhand where he was, uh, you know, the bad guy uh, was First Blood, and he wasn't really totally the bad guy in that. He was just a little over the top. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I you know, forgot, he, yeah. he was think, he was think, still had you know like he he wasn't a two dimensional mustache twirling villain even right, in that yeah. movie. He he had clear motivations to kind of keep you know order and peace in his jurisdiction, yeah. and uh, you know he, he didn't handle so as to Stallone correctly, <laughs> but you know he wasn't like I said you know he wasn't just a guy who was evil for evil's sake. Yeah, he he took his stance and he stood behind it even when it got a little out of his control in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I did forget I did forget he was in that. That's one I should watch on some of this extra time we're experiencing right now. Another guy who's uh, kind of against type in this movie was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> you know what's funny? I like I saw him I saw the name in the credits and I was like, Oh, I've seen a picture of him in this movie. I was confusing it with his cowboy getup from Buckaroo Banzai in my head. <laughs> now, he also was in The Big Chill, along with Kevin Klein and Kevin Costner. Yep. And, you know, produced, directed, and written by Lawrence Kasdan. Kasdan, yep. <laughs> so, you know, we, we know the con- the connection there. And uh, But, he you know, he also has a villainous role here, but he is kind of the villainous traitor he kind of pretends to be on their side but he's not yeah you didn't you didn't care for that turn no 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 i didn't it was yeah, mm, uh, if, if that was going to happen then i wish he'd been in it earlier to build up to it a little bit more i mean the turn was fine but it was a little maybe yeah maybe it was a little quick because he we didn't see him till at least halfway through the movie if not longer i think yes. at least that's what it felt like 
I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I think that if you had introduced him along with Scott Glenn and Kevin Klein and Kevin Costner and Danny Glover and made it seem like there's five of them together instead of four of them together, and then he turned on them, it would be a much more, you know, gut-wrenching turn. Right, right. Because he's another guy who you automatically want to like. Yes, yeah, that's true. So if you had that and then he turned, but you had a chance to get to like him first, it really would, you know, be more powerful. Right, yes, yeah, that is, that's a great way to describe it. Okay, so, so far, that's the one negative for me. I know okay. you have your other ones, but, but I'll, I'll give you that. that and it's yeah. not really a negative so much as I think it, it could have even improved it more. Right. Um, and I'm just looking cast-wise. Rosanna Arquette, it's, her part is pretty small. Which surprised uh, me as well. Um, yeah, she, was, she was a pretty big star at that time. Yes, yes. You know, she's the one who's, you know, with, with these settlers and she's pretty, so everybody falls in love with her immediately. Yep. And she knows that she's pretty, but she doesn't give a shit. And she just wants to, <laughs> she wants what she wants. And she's like, if you're with me because you think I'm pretty, then maybe you should be somewhere else because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, you know, that's, I'm not, that's not the role I'm playing. Right, right. And, uh, so, uh, you know, she, she had a, I think, I think it was well served to have somebody of her stature playing that part because she was yeah. a pretty big star at the time. So you could kind of, you know, go along with her pretty quickly. You didn't have to have a lot of scenes with her in order for you to kind of feel you know her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, sometimes when you have somebody who's, you know, I guess bottom line is this is more of an ensemble piece and, you you know, you can only give so much screen time to each person. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. And the, I guess the only other person that I'd like to just mention is Linda Hunt, okay. who is coming off of the year of living dangerously. Where she played a uh, a man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've never and seen that movie. She got a best supporting actress, I believe, for playing a man in that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and then she's in this, and she's another one. She's just you know, I I didn't think her part had a lot of depth to it. She's just a likable character, and her role was to have you understand that Kevin Klein bonded with her quickly. Yeah. You know, as a as a friend, not more, but uh, that they bonded quickly, that she was important to him and that any threat to her became important to him because of that. I think that's really the role she served. And that you're right. And that that was how that is exactly what that role served. Um, It was I guess I guess this goes back to being an ensemble piece. She was kind of framed up as her her introduction seemed like it was going to lead more to something bigger. But that was just the, I'm just talking the introduction scene. I'm not talking about we went on through the movie, then all of a sudden it kind of petered out. It did go into the role that it that you described. I think actually pretty perfectly. But of course, that showcase that the, each ensemble person gets, you get the feeling like, oh, here's another person, a, a major cog in the story. And uh, this is probably just uh, part of the filmmaking of that many notable performers in a movie. Yeah, and then. On the smaller roles, uh, just worth kind of really quickly mentioning, you had uh, Joe Seneca, who uh, played Danny Glover's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I know him from is the movie The Verdict. Where oh, he, gosh. He yeah. played the medical expert for Paul Newman, and he was kind of like 
not really the most prestigious of characters. Uh, and, you know, Paul Newman was kind of stuck with him as his expert. Was that uh, a, that was, a, was that a theatrical release or a, yeah, that's a theatrical release, the verdict, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. It's I know, it, here's, here's what's weird. I know I'm, I, I have seen it, but it was a situation, and I think it's, sometimes there's situations where it's, I've seen it on TV, and my parents just didn't bother making me go to bed, or they didn't have a babysitter, and they just let me hang out, hang out in the back of the car to drive in. I think it was a drive-in situation, because even though I saw it in air quotes that you can't see, I didn't watch it. You know what I mean? I was just there when the movie was playing. Well, being a few years older than you, I had seen that in the movies and had enjoyed it very much and was actually kind of annoyed that Paul Newman didn't get Best Actor for that movie. Oh, yeah. Although I don't remember off the top of my head who did get Best Actor that year, so maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it's not as much of a. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't quite as much of a uh, of a of a bad job as I know, because without <laughs> knowing who won, I can't really say. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, Lynn Whitfield played uh, Danny Glover's sister. It's a relatively small, thankless role, but I seem to remember her being a fairly well-known person at that time, although I'm not a, too on top of her career. Uh, Jeff Fahey played Tyree. <laughs> now, he's automatically not likable in this movie yeah. from the moment he walks on the, on the screen. If I remember right, he was... Uh, he became famous in what was it, Lawnmower Man? Lawnmower Man, yes, that's where. That's first but, thing I think. Yeah, and then eventually, I know he was yeah, on Lost have, for a while. Lost, yep. I have this ongoing thing with Jeff Fahey where I watch something and I see an actor that I think looks like Jeff Fahey, and it ends up being Jeff Fahey. <laughs> did that? But I don't in this realize one? that. Yes, it did. I was like, oh, that guy looks like Jeff Fahey, and then I like. Then he said something where his voice like clicked. It's like I think that's Jeff Fahey, and I had to quick pull up IMDb. I'm like, oh, I do that. I do that all the time. I always think the actor looks like Jeff Fahey, but I, I don't figure it out for like half the movie. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's something about him where he's immediately like you, you you're just waiting for his character to get killed right from the start of the movie. You are, yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that is true. It's that swagger. The the fact that he's. Like, Getting released from jail, and he looks like he deserves to go right back in. It's like that introduction. <laughs> the the other, the only other part that I really wanted to mention, you know, another relatively small part was James Gammon as Dawson. He's the guy who uh, uh, he he had robbed the uh, the wagon train for their money, and then mm. uh, Scott Glenn goes in and kind of pretends like he's part of their group. And he's like, I don't think you're one of them, you know, that guy. Uh, and he he was the he was the manager in the movie Major League, <laughs> which is the most memorable part he ever had, as far as I go. He's got one of the most. Oh, he's got, that's who. Uh, yes, I, I was bugging me where, where I knew him from. That's it. Yes, he's got he's got a very distinctive way of speaking. Yeah, because because yep. he's got a very yeah, gravelly was, voice. me i'm glad you said that because i i never did go back and look it up but that's that's it that's where i knew him from yeah it's, it's he he's another one who's no longer with us i think he died like yeah maybe three or four years ago so i guess that's it for the cast it's worth mentioning you know lawrence kasdan and his brother mark kasdan uh wrote in <laughs> well they wrote it together lawrence directed and produced it um this was no question about it, and, and there is a documentary on the DVD that I was watching as well, and, and it, it really comes through clearly. This was a labor of love for the two of them. Oh, wow. Uh, they 
were clearly fans of the westerns from the, like the 1950s and early 60s uh, and were trying to kind of recreate that feel by the time this movie came out the westerns had fallen out of favor it wasn't really a popular genre anymore uh, and this was you know kind of their tribute to that and, and their effort to see if they could revive that a little bit uh, in my opinion that got much more revived with the miniseries Lonesome Dove which you can see uh, I think we covered that in episode three of Is It Yours uh, oh. but that's that's probably my favorite western ever. Oh, really? Or or, or tied <laughs> tied with the good, the bad, and the ugly for my favorite western ever. Okay. Uh, but this, I'm this, just, I, I, you, 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 I'm not laughing at your choice. I actually, I, I know a woman that was in Lobesome Duff, uh, Dove from the whole actor community here in Orlando, and I just that that's kind of cool. I'm gonna, next time I see her, I'm gonna mention that someone had talked highly about it again. She likes hearing oh. about it now and again. Such such a great. If you've never seen it, although I recommended this to you and you were a little disappointed, so maybe I shouldn't recommend. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't recommend westerns to you anymore. Yeah. Uh, but what a what an acting tour de force by Robert Duvall and Tommy Lee Jones in that miniseries, just unreal. Um, but anyway, you know, like the thing to me, if we if we just go movies, so we'll eliminate Lonesome Duff from the picture. My two, like this, my favorite would be The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. And this compares very differently than that because I remember when I'd watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, my sister used to just kind of like roll her eyes and say, oh, it's that movie where everybody just looks like they're sweating all the time. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> like I thought that movie presented a little bit more realistically how you know, it was harder to live back then. You know, you didn't have the comforts that you do now. Whereas this movie, that's one of, one of the areas where I, I was looking at, it, I was saying, you know, it, it's almost like a, you know, these people are almost like on vacation all the time. You know, they, they don't have to do all that much. It's not that hard. If you know, if they're not fighting with each other, it's a very comfortable existence. And I think life was a lot harder <laughs> in 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 that time frame than than this movie made it look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't really consider that, but you pointing that out, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Costner from sleeping in the desert to having a, a full suit and fully loaded weapons yeah. within all, a day is probably the, didn't happen that often. No, no, I don't think so. And all the buildings were just very, you know, well finished. You know, I I think there was a lot. I didn't, think, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> you know, they they're sitting around the dinner table eating. Everybody, you know, it's it's like they went over to you know the the store and picked up a dinner table. I don't think that really happened. All the time over there. I think a lot of times people said, okay, let's get some, you know, let's get that tree and cut it down and make a table. Uh, and I don't think it looked as nice as that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just little things like that. Like, I, I <laughs> thought this movie just, like I said, I thought they just looked a little too comfortable all the time. When, You're when right. They, yep. When they weren't shooting each other and, you know, doing things like that. <laughs> This is true, too, yes. <laughs> Which happened quite a bit in this movie. I thought the story was fairly complex because I thought every character had a little bit of a story arc to them and they kind of all merged at some point. And with an ensemble cast like this, I think that's really, you know, that's, it's like juggling. And I thought they juggled the balls in the air really well that everybody kind of, you know, everybody who was a star in the movie had their scenes and their moments and their storyline. And I thought they all kind of, like I said, they came together well. 
And there's aspects of it that I, I really like. Like, for example, when Scott Glenn gets to town and finds that his brother, Kevin Costner, is in jail and he decides, I have to break him out. I can't leave without him. And he tells Peyton, who is uh, Kevin Klein, that he's going to do this. Peyton doesn't automatically say, oh, okay, I'm with you. You know, we're brothers, blah, blah, blah. No, he's like, you know, you're going to have to count me out for that. <laughs> I can't do that with you. Right. Uh, and I thought, you know, that was that was good. That gave it, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was all stereotype stuff. True. And I, I, actually, true, yeah. I actually love the scene when he breaks out of jail. The, 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 you know, he's hiding, Kevin Costner's hiding behind Kevin Klein. And, and he's, he's like holding his arms through the sleeves of Kevin Klein's jacket so that you that, see his hands. That was cool. I, I could not figure out what was happening prior to that because there was one place for him to have hidden and he clearly wasn't under the bed. And I was like, I didn't, I was like, I thought he did escape and wasn't sure where that was going when we got the reveal. That was pretty cool. That if you fun. watch, if you watch that scene a second time, they really did it. Like they choreographed it well. Like when wow. you see Kevin Costner's hands moving, like you can tell. Like once, once you know what's going on, you can tell that Kevin Klein isn't the one maneuvering the hands, and he doesn't know where they're gonna go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only, the only thing about the scene that still kind of just makes me roll my eyes slightly is eventually Kevin Klein punches the jailer, and that's how they escape because he knocks him out. And right. with Kevin Costner behind him like that, he could never get enough momentum on that punch through <laughs> the true. through the bars of a jail cell to knock yeah. out another man. No way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you're you are right. I did not think of that when it happened, but you are correct. That's true. And you know, the, there's, I mean, this 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 movie is pretty chock full of action as it's going along. As there's, there's a lot of uh, action scenes that I I thought they were all pretty well choreographed and i think they're well directed too because there's never a point where you're like okay now i don't know who's where and what's going on it, it, i felt like i was i had a good handle on everything the whole way along and then that takes me back to the fact that there's all these different storylines going on and as we were talking about before i've been doing a lot of uh we've been covering a lot of the james bond movies over time mm-hmm. and i've talked with those movies that as a kid early on i realized that I shouldn't always try to make sense of the plot. That a <laughs> right. lot of times it's just go along for the ride. And if you understand what's going on, great. And if you don't understand, don't let that make you stop paying attention to what's on the screen. Because if you try and figure it all out, you're going to just get lost. And, you know, it's, it's going to keep moving on and you're going to be lost. Right. So yeah, some, some, sometimes with movies like that, you need to just go along for the ride. This one, I don't felt, I, I never felt like there was a point where I didn't understand what was going on. I kind of, felt like I had a you know I had a grasp on it the whole time and I think to me that was that's really good writing to to like I said to juggle all those balls in the air at the same time yeah oh and yeah it, that's that was one amazing thing about the story when I again I keep harkening back to once I realized it wasn't a comedy and realized I was watching an over two hour movie in the end it didn't feel like that because the story kept moving and the splitting my attention between the stories kept everything at a good pace even when there was like horse riding in the desert and dialogue and whatnot, it moved whatever story that scene was about along. So it, it is, it's the story is laid out very well. It does not, uh, I wouldn't say it's action packed and fast paced, but it's just enough of a pacing to make that two hours, not 
feel like the the amount of time you spent watching that movie at all. Mm-hmm. Now, just out of curiosity, did Christy watch this with you, or no, no, she did, no, she she didn't, but she doesn't need to. She's seen this a dozen times because of Kevin Klein. So we didn't watch it together. But I, the first thing I said was, um, we were going to. I, I think we're, we're with these. Uh, uh, um, her and I having different shows. We're, we kind of verbally scheduled the studio, and she's like, "Do you have anything tomorrow night?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to do." Uh, uh, a recording with Paul about Silverado. She goes, Silverado? With Kevin Klein? So, yeah, she saw it. Okay. She, now, if I had known that that was her reaction, I would have told you to have her on as well. <laughs> yeah. She could probably just walk right in and talk about it when it comes to her favorite actors. She just uh, right. repeatedly watches their body well, of work. For, for over, future over. reference, anytime I invite you on, if you think Christy will want to be on as well, just feel you have carte blanche to invite her as well. Okay, sure. Just, I'll do that. You know that's that's she's she's always welcome. Uh, any any other moments in this that you either particularly liked or disliked? Um, there's, I mean, as far as like I said, it, it it being not my kind of movie doesn't make me dislike the whole thing or even any scenes particularly in it. I I can't really think of any I disliked. As far as ones I liked, I. I the shootouts are always fun because there's always I think especially when a director is is making a a movie that's an homage to a genre like a western there's going to be things in there that are fairly unique and when uh um I don't even know who the character was if we even need to someone tried to throw a torch on one of the buildings and he shot it out of the air with a shotgun thing little things like that I've not seen before in a western or neat okay. so the shootout yeah. scenes were fun that was uh one just one of the Various unnamed bad guys. Yeah, right. Throwing, <laughs> throwing the torch, and it was shot out of the air by the brother-in-law of Scott Glenn and Kevin Costner. Oh, okay, gotcha. Or the yeah. actor who played the brother-in-law. Right? I understand what you're saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, I enjoyed the shootouts. Those were always fun. Although yeah, it I is mean, weird. They, <laughs> they they may have had a little too good of a name with these guns. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say the one. Um, thing that just stuck out to me because I had to rewind it to see if it's if I really saw what I saw, and it's unfortunate who it involves. And it is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen this. When Kevin Klein and Brian Dennehy face off in the basically the finale, Kevin Klein shoots him. Brian Dennehy reacts, but then they close up on his face and he re-reacts. It's like no, he's already reacted. You you get react a second time when there's not a second gunshot that kind of was like oh i hate clubs like that <laughs> you know what i i never noticed that and now i'm never going to be able to watch it without <laughs> sorry no don't be sorry it's fine <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that once you know like once you're aware of it you can't unsee it exactly yeah that's why i was like i had to check did i see what i saw and i did i was like oh it's, that's that's too bad but it was still it was still to me, that's, I did that's like, uh, the stormtrooper hitting his head, yeah, or, or yeah. Sonny Corleone missing a uh, punch by like four feet. <laughs> right, this is true. Yep. <laughs> but uh, you know, I tried in my most recent rewatching, which I did this week, to pay a little attention to the score, and I got to say, I thought it was a an entertaining score to listen to. But I didn't feel like it always synced exactly right with the movie as far as yep. the tone. I, there were yep, points. I, yeah. 
There were points where it got a little. There were points where it got a little like more bombastic than the scene called for. Uh, and there were scene. There were points where it was a little more low key than what I would have called for. I, I, I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like the composer was watching the movie and and syncing what he was doing. I just felt like he was just trying to put together a good instrumental soundtrack and not really worrying about how it lined up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a very, when we start getting towards the finale of it, or at least building up to it, it all of a sudden switches gears into this almost like it's, it almost sounds like someone doing a John Williams impression. The score is so heavy and we're not quite there yet. It's like that they should be holding off on this for just a little bit longer and then really start pumping this music in. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I felt like, uh, like they tried to go to the Magnificent Seven with kind of a – I did feel there was a little bit of a John Williams influence on it, but mm-hmm. I kind of felt like that's the feel they were going for, like that Magnificent Seven theme song. Uh, sure, yeah. You know, and, and there's nothing in, in this movie that's as, as iconic as that. Uh, but, you know, like I said, overall, like if I, – I, and I've never done this, but I think if you were to get a copy of the score and listen to it as you're driving along in the car – I think it might be a very, very entertaining score. I just <laughs> didn't feel sure. like it. I just didn't feel like it synced up exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I know. Yeah, I kind of had the same, same feeling too. All that said, is there anything else that we should comment on before we rate this? I was disappointed having seen his name on IMDb that I didn't ever really pinpoint where Sheb Woolley was. Which, I, I've seen his name on it. I I think he played like a cavalry man yeah, or something like and I, that. I, I mean, I saw the character name, which is more like you said, like a description than a than a name named character. And we kind of have this. It's not. It's not even a, an official thing. Just like this, his name always comes up in our shows. He was. He had done something, some kind of sound effect. I think he was. Maybe he might have been the the guy that recorded the sound for the Wilhelm scream. But Christy inevitably puts mentions one-eyed one-horned flying purple people (laughs) eater during halloween so it's like i wanted to just just to see him because i knew he was in it and i don't know exactly where he was i mean i watched the whole movie so technically i saw him but i just don't know where i just looked up sheb woolly i just looked sheb woolly is also credited as the voice actor for the wilhelm scream (laughs) <laughs> having appeared on a memo as a voice extra for Distant Drums, Drums in yes. which he had an acting role. This was later confirmed by his widow, Linda Watson Woolley. The stock recording of the distinctive scream has been used by sound effects teams in over 400 films and continues to be used in the latest Indiana Jones sequels and all of the Star Wars films except Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah. Now, I have to say, as a parent, you know, you have your moments where you say I'm a success and you have your moments where you say I'm a failure. One time when I was watching a movie and the scream came on and my daughter turned to me and said, the Wilhelm scream, I said, I am a success as a father. Yes, yeah, I would agree 100%. <laughs> there's there's other times where I haven't been as successful, but when she, when she <laughs> like out of nowhere, just said, oh, the Wilhelm scream, I just thought, that's my girl. You're doing something right. Yep. That's right. We actually did the Wilhelm scream in an episode of Star Wars in character, and I know his name came up. I couldn't remember the story myself, so yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Now I know why his name came up, because that's what we're talking about. There you go. All right, so all things said and done, and you know the scale. The only thing is, since the last time you've been on, I have added a rating. Oh, okay. uh, Which I don't think applies to this movie. 
but I'm just going to keep mentioning it until we finally find a movie that it does apply to, is I've added, there's the Jaws 1, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, Jaws 4, and now I've added Jaws 19, which is a little bit of an homage to uh, Back to the Future Part 2. And Jaws 19 is a movie that's so badly done that you enjoy it because of it's funny and it's just, (laughs) you know... So I don't think that I don't think that would apply to this one. But anyway, right, no. where would you rank this movie? Well, I mean, I didn't make a big secret that it's not my kind of movie, and Kevin Costner is always a is always a negative. But I mean, with it being not my movie kind of movie, I, I there's nothing wrong with it at all. I think it's a good story. It's very well acted. The cast is amazing. It has a lot of people I do like, despite Kevin Costner being in it. <laughs> and like I said, there's there's two hours plus. They didn't fly by, but they didn't feel like two hours. They didn't feel like more, which is another important thing when watching a film. So I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it again. It'll be on in my house again. My wife will put it on. But I, I, I don't feel like I wasted my time. I uh, like the ending of it, and I like most of what I saw. So I can't say anything less than Jaws two, and, and which is weird considering I, you know, there's. It's, it's there's really nothing on the surface. I'd look at it on the back. I'd look at the back of the. Uh, of the video cover video store and I'd set it right back down. But in this case with watching it at your request, I'm glad I did. So I would say no less than a Jaws two. All right. That's that, that makes me feel a little better about all of this. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm also going to give it a Jaws two. I'm going to give it a very high Jaws two because, uh, even though I wouldn't, you know, automatically list it among like my greatest movies of all time, I do feel like, there's very, very little wrong with this movie. It's just, you know, right. it's so solid. To me, it's very, very rewatchable. Uh, and obviously, we differ a little bit on that. But Well, I, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, could see, I could see how it would be if you enjoy these type of movies. And it's it, – it, so I, I, I can't disagree. I, I can't – I don't sit here and blame it because I'm like, yeah, if you like Westerns and you like this format of movie, I would totally watch it again. So, no, I get it. I totally get it. So I'm, I'm going to give it a very high Jaws too. I, I, I would almost want to give it a Jaws, but I, I can't. I can't quite. I, have to, I think we're both. <laughs> I think I'm bringing it down a little because I'm trying to be objective, and I think you're bringing it up a little because you're trying to be objective. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but that's you know that's where yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. land on it. <laughs> and uh, I guess that'll be it for our discussion on this one. I want to thank you for coming on, Matt. And oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure. Take a moment and pimp you your uh, pimp your network. Okay, yeah, it's it's instead of going through all the shows we have, I'll just say check out what we have at com. The short pitch that Dave, my my uh, partner Dave, and uh, a former guest on this show has once said, it's a everything from that is built from a love of pop culture. If there's something you like in pop culture, the chances are we might already have a series about it. If we don't, we at least have a special. So check it out, neozaz.com, over a decade worth of content at this point. Mm. Well, thank you for coming on again, and thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. You're wearing my hat. What else you got that's mine? Mister, I don't know what you're talking about. I hope your fingers aren't tickling my ivory-handled cold. Stand up real slow and let me see. You might live through this night.
making a big mistake. That's what I told him. <laughs>